I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. I'm going to toss it over to our hosts, Micah and Josiah Keneally. Hey guys, it's Josiah, and before we dive into today's episode, I want to share an exciting update with our Young Adults Today fam. Here's the thing. Everything we do with Young Adults Today, whether it's a podcast, books, resources, conference, content, is centered around the heart of Christ and really three things. The first is building relationships that can last a lifetime. The second is creating resources that are useful. And the third is to create rallying points that are catalytic for leaders and ministries to reach the next generation as we make disciples. So we have a prayer and a goal to take everything we're doing to the next level. And that is an invitation to you to join our Patreon. Patreon allows you and us to partner together for the kingdom of God and the heart of Christ to grow young adults today. You can find out more and jump on board by visiting patreon.com slash today. Thanks so much, and here's for today's episode. What's up, guys? Hope you're feeling alive right now. I'm Micah Keneally, and I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. And today, I'm joined with my cousin, my cousin, <laughs> my husband, and my co-host. Combine, <laughs> do you see what she did there? So Danger. we're going to talk Danger. about uh, Freud today. <laughs> wow, that got awesome. Co-host. And husband. Yeah, that's what I said. Uh, <laughs> words that you want to put together, take it away again from the anyway, top. From the top. I'm just kidding. No, let's oh, we gotta just we <laughs> love bloopers. Nothing is edited here. So blah, that's my mistake today. Husband and co-host, Josiah Keneally. Josiah, how you did today? I'm glad we can laugh at myself and each other. <laughs> we're smiling, we're laughing. The interview's begun, we're having fun. That's amazing. How are and you? I'm doing great after that little blunder. I mean, it's only up from here, it's right? It's only up from here. <laughs> well, if you're just tuning in and you've never tuned in before, we just want to welcome you into the program. We want to welcome ourselves into your earbuds, whether you're yeah. at the gym, you're on the road, whatever you're doing, wherever you're at, know that God is smiling down on you and has plans for you. And if you want to get more involved, you can surely do that by tuning in and rating, subscribing, reviewing, and sharing this podcast with any friends, family members, or anybody else you can think of. So we always want to honor our special guests. And Josiah, we have a really amazing guest today that I know you've read some of their things. I've read some of their things. And uh, tell the audience who in the world is with us today. I'll do just that. And if you're listening and tuning in, it's a joy, like Micah said, to come into your world, your space, your headphones, your stereo, your commute. And uh, if you've ever had questions about anxiety, mental health, or anxious free living, you know, we're in a mini series on anxiety and we're going to welcome, I'll introduce him in just a second, but John Deloney, Dr. John Deloney's on the other side of the zoom. How are you today? Good brother. How are you? We're doing well. Thanks for joining us. I don't get to talk to uh, a lot of married cousins very often. So this is cool, (laughs) man. So good. <laughs> Dear Lord, I'm never going to get over this one, are we? We prayed before we hit record. So, Jesus, we need oh, your help. But Dr. John funny. Deloney, we're having fun. This is going to be a great episode. He's a best-selling author, mental health expert, and the host of the Dr. John Deloney Show. He's part of the Ramsey Solutions team, one of the Dave Ramsey personalities. He has two PhDs and over two decades of experience in counseling, crisis response, and higher education. Mm -hmm. 
And John's goal is to help you navigate tough decisions, improve your relationships, and believe that you're worthy of being well. So Dr. John, how about this? Let's help some people today. What do you think? Let's do it. And can we start by just your life experience in, in, a, in a few sentences, maybe your high-level overview of, of life, leadership, family, and how, you know, really how you got to be on the other side of this Zoom call today? Oh, man. Um, I guess in a nutshell, I, I'm, a, I'm married for almost two decades. I've got two great kids, a couple of dogs and some chickens, and I live out in the woods here in, in Nashville and south of Nashville. And um, I worked with college students for the majority of my career. I've been a high school teacher and coach. And my dad was a homicide detective and a SWAT hostage negotiator. And my mom stayed at home. And then she, at 42, took her first community college class. She took one class and then took another one and then another one. And then she took her first community college class at 42 and graduated with her PhD at 57. Incredible. And became a professor at six, in her 60s. And um, so I've just had a parents who said, go do the next right wild thing. And I had parents who, when the building was on fire, they modeled, you go into the fire and you don't run from it. And so um, when this opportunity came up to quit everything I knew, and as my boss said, you help thousands of people at your university. If you join this team, we can help millions. Um, that spoke to me. And so here we are incredible and i was just at ramsey solutions by the way the new location and um Beautiful, oh my huh? gosh it is it is really <laughs> cool and you guys have helped us mm -hmm. as individuals before mm -hmm. we got married as now a married couple and now as parents too and so the work and ministry that you guys are doing is incredible. Yeah. And it is reaching us and it's reaching hopefully our listeners today, because we're going to kind of lean into anxiety and mental health and just how rampant that can run in our personal lives or in our ministries, in our workspaces, or maybe even in our family trees. Definitely. So learning how yeah. to rein that in. So Dr. John, I would just be curious just to hear, you wrote a, a book and it's called Redefining Anxiety. So can you share with the audience today in our Ourselves, just the difference like what is anxiety and what is it not mm. so all anxiety is and uh, i'm somebody who's been crushed by it in the past and that started my going down the rabbit hole to figure out what in the world is this all anxiety is is an alarm system so mm -hmm. think about your home you have a smoke detector in your house the smoke detector a detector, unless it's malfunctioning, is almost never the problem. All anxiety is is an alarm system that's letting you know that you're either disconnected from other people, you found yourself alone, you are in a situation where you're not safe, or you're in a situation where you can't control the outcome. You don't have any autonomy on what tomorrow might look like for you. And that's all it is. It's a signal. And we spent the last 25 to 50 years making anxiety the thing that we're trying to solve instead wow. of listening to what anxiety is trying to tell us about the lives we're trying to lead that are out of control and chaotic and just maniacal. Um, and so that, I mean, that's what it is. Depression's the same way, OCD, ADHD, all those things are symptoms of, it's our body actually, I think, working just as it was designed, yeah. letting us know that our ecosystems are not okay. Wow. 
I think that's really helpful to distinct that and, and to differentiate that from maybe what we think it is and to really simplify it down. And I'm reminded of maybe driving in the car and the, the light goes on, there's triggers, there's mm-hmm. warnings, there's things that can buzz ring and ding yeah. <laughs> to kind of help us know. And um, what yeah, think about your, think about your car when, when you're driving and the check engine light comes on, Right. that's not a signal to take the dashboard off and to break that bulb out of there. That's a signal to make sure you got oil in the car, make sure you got water in there. Right. So, um, but we've made, man, we have, the analogy I use is it's like going into your kitchen and getting like some random associate pastor, you know, our churches all have like 800 associate pastors now doing God knows what and a counselor. And that one friend we have, it's just an annoying friend that talks too much. And we climb up on a ladder in our kitchen and we figure out how to take the batteries out of the smoke detector and we all high five each other while the house is still burning down. And we all cheer and go, cool, we solved it. And that was never the problem. Right. 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 That's such a good, I don't know, visual that I could imagine in my mind while well, you describe it to realize like, even when we treat the symptoms, we don't just put a bandaid on it, right? We have to get to yeah. the root of the problem and identify what is truly going on here. And just to understand like our, the ecosystem, like how you said that our, everything that we're constantly being stimulated by, how do our we work and our, our media and our marriages and our relationships everything. and, our, friendships and our, our kids and dealing with our parents and their parents, like that's the stuff that is setting these alarms up. Right? Absolutely. It's incredible and powerful. And we want to dive deep not just surface level, but but into the room. And I think what will help us go there and what will help the listener just relate to you and to us as well is, would you be willing to to open up and to share some of your experience with mental health? I know you had said that you got crushed by anxiety. Oh yeah. So the short version is we could, we could do a couple of episodes on this, but um, I was really fortunate. I got hired as a senior leader at a university Mm -hmm. at 26 years old. So probably 20 years too young for wisdom wise. And so I found myself the young guy in the room by a decade or more everywhere I went. And I quickly got a PhD as fast as I could. So I could get that credential and I could feel like I was going to be validated. Mm -hmm. And then I was chasing X number of dollars and X number of titles. And then I found out that I was good at serving people in crisis. And so I was spending two, three, four nights, some weeks in the hospital with students and their parents. And it just became, I was on call 24 seven, 365. And I was really good at what I did. And I think we often think, Hey, this person's like a glory hog and this person's really grinding out and they're good. Mm -hmm. I was both of those things. Um, I wanted to be really good at my job and I wanted people to notice and tell me that I was, I needed that external validation too. Right. And I was chasing a bunch of external plugs for an internal hole. And I thought that the money and the titles and the stuff and the stuff and the stuff and it all at the same time, man, the slightest thing, my heart rate would take off on me. I was panicked. I didn't sleep. And then that led me to over-exercising and over-dramatizing diet and over trying to control everything, which then that led me to less sleep and less, less, less. And Mm -hmm. um, suddenly I was leading everything. I was doing a like, Hey, Deloney, will you do the Sunday school? I got it. Hey, will you help lead this college ministry? Got it. Hey, we take this extra department. Got it. Hey, you want to go to Harvard on this one program? Got it. Suddenly I was doing a thousand things trying to chase peace. And the whole time that my body was, there was smoke coming out of my ears. And um, ultimately I never forget, I was walking to work. By this time I was so paranoid and freaked out 
I'd sold my house. I thought I had timed the next housing collapse and I was crazy. I was like the guy on beautiful mind. And we often think of crazy, like somebody ends up in an institution. That wasn't me. I was still getting my work done. I was still doing my stuff. I was getting harder and harder to be around. And I was always the guy taking over conversations. And my wife was starting to kind of create an alt world because I was just a third rail. I was just a lot. Right. And I remember I just got in a car and drove a few hours and I happened to have a buddy who was a medical doctor and I went in his office and I said, Hey man, I'm not okay. And that was the first day that I finally admitted to myself, something's not right. And that started, man, I just, I moved to another college. My wife and I took a $70,000 household income pay cut to go to a new town. And I worked at a univer- another university, which was a, had a smaller group of students I was dealing with. And that's when both of us started walking a long journey to figure out, man, what was, what's going on in our lives and our marriage and our home. And I ended up getting a second PhD in counseling, just, to, just trying to figure out, I'm a questioner. I always want to know. And what happened to me? Right. And, yeah. oh gosh, what's happening to my students and their families and our communities and our country. And that's where, I mean, that's where I ended up here. So um, now I can look on the other side of it and man, I'm just, it's peace is something I hold now. It's not something I'm chasing. Anymore. That's so good. Dr. John, thank you so much for sharing that. I think being vulnerable and being transparent to share our stories and our experiences, like you just had, um, just opens up the door of opportunity to minister to people, totally. to be mindful of our own mental health. And when we have students or, um, young adults or family friends who are wrestling and struggling with these things, it's important to validate what they're going through is yeah. legitimate. And there are like the spiral that you talked about, it went from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next, yeah, yeah. and to be able to identify that. And I would just be curious your insight on this. And for the leader who's like learning how to prioritize their own mental health mm. and their own health in that realm, what would you say to them today if they find themselves maybe in a similar situation or a downward spiral or um, just kind of can relate to your story that you just um, just shed some light on? Mm. Um, I think a couple of cornerstones here, and I'll just rattle these off the top of my head. Feel free to interrupt me. Um, the first one is there is no such thing as an external solution to an internal hole in your heart. So there is no, and I'm telling you, I sit with multi gajillionaires behind closed doors, people who have money that most of us could never fathom. That doesn't solve it. Right. Um, to people who lead massive churches, who are college presidents, who are attorneys and doctors and whatever, there is no job title, no amount of money, no anything like that, no hit song, no elite military career that is going to make your body go, ah, we're all good now, we arrived. There is no there there. Um, The second one is you can't force yourself to feel certain way. Mm -hmm. You can't look in the mirror and grit your teeth and say, be happy. You can't do that. Yeah. So what that means is you have to have a series of practices that will over time, let your body know that you're safe and in control. Mm-hmm. And so when I look at like, you know, this is a, um, a podcast that you guys, that y'all two do for pastors. When I look at the life of Jesus, he had a series of practices. He walked places. He had community with him. He was, it would take time by himself for prayer and meditation. He um, controlled what he could control. He slept sometimes in really weird places, right? Um, he 
had a series of practices and was tethered into something bigger than himself. Yep. And so we talk about a lot, like you hear in the, in the Christianese, I call it like the peace of Jesus. Like I spent a decade. Okay. What does that actually mean? Like, what is that? What is that thing? Right. That's a dude who just falls asleep on a boat in the middle of a storm because he's not worried about you. You know what I mean? That's a guy that just says, Hey man, if they don't want to talk to you, dust your sandals off and go to the next town. You don't got to start a fight. You don't got to throw punches. That's a guy that who's surrounded by people who want something from him. And he notices her tugging on his garment and he mm-hmm. bends down and says, are you okay? And so that's, that is peace. That's not, not doubting. That's not, not concerned. So it's really, a, what's, what are a series of practices? And they look different for all of us. Mm-hmm. And then the third thing I would tell you is that leads me to be curious about your body, not judgmental about where you're at. Don't be angry or go to war with your body. So now when I start to feel anxiousness, I smile and go, oh man, what are you trying to protect me from? Like I ask my body, like, what are you detecting that I don't see? Cause I think we're doing pretty good. And it may tell me, do we need to get some sleep? Or you had 18 bags of gummy candy yesterday. That's not great. Or you and your wife haven't connected. You and me and my wife haven't connected in two weeks. And it's starting to just to sound the lonely alarms, right? Um, y'all have an, an, what, an eight month old, right? Uh, eight, we call them an 18 month, eight yep. week and 18 month old. Right. So if your bodies aren't staying, I miss connection. I miss sleep. I miss mm-hmm. our natural rhythm. It should be letting, you know, things are out of sync. Right. And that's when you can be at peace with oh, my body's just doing exactly what it's designed to, which is try to keep me safe. Wow. But, but I know what we're doing here. Right. And then I'm going to be right. intentional about those practices. Curious, yeah. curious, not judgmental. Oh that's my gosh. Good. I love that. That is so, so helpful. And um, I'm, by the way, a very regular subscriber listener to a lot of, you know, your podcast, a lot mm-hmm. of the Ramsey Solutions content. And sometimes I'll be like doing dishes um, or I'll be like outside doing yard work or whatever. And I remember one day I was listening to a caller and all of a sudden Dave brings you on and you like help navigate peace into a situation that was totally chaotic mm. and somebody wasn't safe and oh, it's, yeah, not I remember my place. That, yeah. it's not my place yeah. to go into the details but I just yeah. remember that um kind of and in, in, you know you were able to help somebody find safety both mm. physically but then mm-hmm. really stability in their emotions and in their day-to-day and and I'm curious for us as we prioritize our own mental health like on the airplane, they always say, and I've never seen this happen, by the way, but they always tell us <laughs> that if the oxygen masks come down, focus on your own and then help others, right? right? So as we take that approach as Christian leaders, as mm-hmm. pastors, as those who are just committed to the next generation mm-hmm. and helping guide others towards mental health from a place of mental health ourselves, right? how can we do that and, and really lead and direct those we minister to? towards Dr. John, mm-hmm. towards mental health, holistic health, you know, well-being. How honest can I be? Can I be real honest? honest? Bring yes. it. Um, many of the pastors that I've worked with privately for the last 20 years um, have almost pathological God complexes, mm-hmm. meaning they feel like they have the responsibility and are in control of other people's actions, other people's destinies, other people's fill in the blank. 
And Mm -hmm. it was when I got it through my thick head. As a college professor, I was the same way. As a trauma responder, I was the same way. I thought I could give this person the right thing that they needed and it would solve all their problems. When I realized the only things on planet Earth that I can control are my thoughts and my actions. Right. The weight that was lifted from my shoulders, the work has been done. And now it's about how can I not talk a good game, but how can I model what peaceful living looks like? Mm -hmm. How can, when somebody calls me at 2 a.m. and they just want to talk, I can tell them, I'm with my family. Let's set up a time tomorrow. Because then I'm modeling what boundaries look like. And I'm modeling what priorities look like. And I'm giving somebody, it may not be what they want to hear right then, I'm giving them long-term peace because I'm giving them a picture of what stability and peace. And that's the oxygen mask, right? And so most of us are running around trying to solve everybody else's issues. And we haven't been intentional about what do we actually need? Where are we right now in our own walk? And what are we modeling for everybody? Because most of us are running around, especially pastors, are modeling chaos, are modeling fights. Let's go fight. We're fighting everybody. And... We are modeling, um, really, we've gotten kind of sucked into this negative ecosystem. Yeah. And man, the kingdom of God is never in trouble. Our little kingdoms might be, but the kingdom of God is <laughs> always good. doing just fine. And so it's not my responsibility is to love the person in front of me, not to solve all their problems. And ultimately, like he said, like Jesus says, I see you. I love you. I can play trivia with you. Here's some water. And now, dude, you can go, you can, you can live differently. You can go find peace. You don't have mm-hmm. to live like this. Not the other way around, which is when you start living right, then I'll give you some water and I'll talk. Right. So, so he good. goes into yeah. that space. Do you feel like, I mean, I feel like in my own mind, I'm being set free as a pastor, as a leader, by some of what you just said of, because the responsibility is not mine. Mm -hmm. And I mean, is that part of your hope is that leaders would, would take a non-anxious approach because the responsibility isn't theirs. So let me, let me give you an example and I'll tie it back around. Um, When I was obsessed with getting X job title and I was obsessed with making X dollar amount, those were my two goals. And those are not bad goals, but they were very earth, they're very worldly goals. Sure. They were very, I need to make this much money and I need to get this job title. What happened over time, and it was a short, short timeline, I started cutting corners because hmm. the goal wasn't the journey. The goal wasn't how can I learn more? The goal was I need to get an A. The goal was I need to make this much money. Outcomes. So then I started taking, I'll take another job and another job. I'm suddenly not present at my house, but my house wasn't the goal. The goal is to make money or I'm going to, I'm going to maybe exaggerate my job resume or tell somebody, yeah, I can do that. Even though I don't even know what we're doing because my goal is to get this money. amount. So if my goal is quote unquote, winning souls, whatever that, if my goal is getting this many people convicted for Christ, I will emphasize tears. I will emphasize dramatic interpretation. I will hmm. my, I will emphasize all of these other things to get the conversion or get the get the notch on my belt, not giving people long-term pictures of what peaceful, godly living looks like. And that is me being under control, me being patient and kind and modeling joy 
and modeling forgiveness and modeling not getting angry at the news or whatever. Now, all of a sudden, that's a, that's a sustainable picture for somebody to follow. So to answer yes, if I can get pastors to start taking care of their own marriages right. and their own mental health and their own physical health right. and their own um, relationship with God, dude, people will follow that. You know what I mean? They will follow authenticity. Yeah. Right. Right. I'm so glad you went there talking about the God complex and realizing that we're not in control. I no. think Josiah and myself, like we love doing ministry, but we said, Hey, our job is to point people to Christ and create an opportunity for them opportunity yes. in our home to say yes, to be, you know, invested in a community, to understand the love of God. Like that is our job as believers is to disciple people and to point people in that direction. But I can't drag you in that direction. The moment that starts happening, we need to have, a. I always tell every girl that I mentor, I go two things. One, I'm not God Two, I'm not the Holy spirit. But I do believe in God and he's a part of my daily life. And I believe that we can team up with the Holy Spirit to get some insight of your situation, your relationship or whatever they're walking through. But that just removes me from a pedestal they could put me on and eliminates the pressure that I've placed on myself to, I don't know, whether it's perform a certain way, to look a certain way, to relate a certain way. But it's like, like you had said, it's like, I'm free of that. I've experienced the peace of God and I can turn to him. And I can team up with Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Like I can team up with that, but I'm just going to point people in the right direction. And if they want to go and come with me, they can and go. But hey, that is completely up to them. And a lot of our listeners are young adults, whether they're leaders or they're volunteers or they're taking over an existing ministry, or maybe they're tuning in for the first time. They have no idea what they're getting themselves into. But Dr. John, we know you have a heart for people and this topic specifically, but why do you believe that young adult ministry is important? That age 18 to 30 year olds, very pivotal stages of life. Um, If I look at the data, this is just being a scientist for a second. Um, 18 to 30 year olds, the world shifted underneath their 50 to 70 year old parents. Mm-hmm. And if I think back to my mom in 73, she had to go with, my dad had to be with her to go get a checking account because a woman was not allowed to get a checking account by herself without her dad or that was a law. Wow. And so when I think about the marriage my mom has had with my dad. Yeah. That started with, you've got to come with me to get a checking account all the way to 50 years later now, where she is a tenured professor and a department chair, right? And she is now a PhD professor. So when I look at the world they've inhabited, from the way their food has shifted, the way sleep has shifted, the way tech, my great grandmother, my, my wife's great grandmother was born in a dugout, a hole in the ground. And in the nursing home, she FaceTimed with my kids on an iPad to think about that art. Yeah. And then to think back to 18 to 30 year olds, we have models of what peace and what relationship and what marriage and what friendship looks like. That is like a watching a snow globe being shaken up. And so where adult ministry can be so powerful is It's a new picture of what love looks like, what intentionality looks like, what kindness and forgiveness. I keep going back to those fruits of the spirit, but it's an opportunity to see in real time 
oh, I'm loved. And this person is showing me what love looks like. And it doesn't look like yelling or chaos or anger. It looks like, hey, come over to my house for pizza and tacos. I know you're hurting. And um, we got an extra bedroom. That's what adult ministers can, can do. And when people want to have hard conversations, in fact, I was just having a, um, doing another interview earlier. And w- something I realized about 20 years ago, 15 years ago, John Calvin and John Wesley and C.S. Lewis and Martin Luther. Those were way smarter than me. And Mother Teresa. Let's throw in there too. Their brain power was a thousand X mine. So this idea that I'm going to land on this quote unquote right answer mm. on the Bible mm-hmm. is nonsense. Those people are so much smarter and they all had landed in different places. So I'm going to double back to the, one of my favorite theologian, theologian quotes of all time is from Rich Mullins, the famous songwriter yeah. who said, we so often over-spiritualize Jesus. I'm going to go look at how he interacted with other people mm-hmm. and say, I'm going to start there. Here's a cup of water. Come over to my house and let's tell some jokes and I'll make sure your needs are taken care of. Let's start there. And that's what young adult ministers can do for people. This untethered generation whose parents did the best they could with the tools they had, but still left a lot of chaos and hurt in the world. Adult ministers can can pick up that slack by just providing a stable picture of what comes next. That's incredible. What a powerful (laughs) picture of what could be and what should be and what we get to participate on and how encouraging. And that means that young adult ministers have to take care of themselves. That's good. They have to. Wow. What What an opportunity. And Dr. John, we'd love to ask a couple of rapid fire questions as we wrap up. One cool, keeps, keeps us on our toes. And it's, yeah. if you could ask us anything, what would you ask us today? We know you're still getting to know us. We're getting to know each other. Yeah. We'll, go, we'll go deeper. Well, you want to have fun then? Let's have All fun. right. This is for both of you. Okay. What's one thing that you would like to do? What's one thing that you would like to do better in your marriage and service of your partner there? Oh, I think for me right now, we're in a season of two kids. I know that Josiah's one of his love languages is uh, words of affirmation mm-hmm. and just to be more affirming in the words on a regular daily basis that come his way um, and that aren't related to the kids, aren't related to serving the kids or the family, but are to him and to like verbally recognize, I see you, I know that you're doing your very best. And I think that's just one thing in addition to having a weekly designated date night, even if it's after the kids go to bed, I think that that would just help and strengthen our marriage and serve. And when we do a date night, we always have the other one in mind. So I think of like, what is Josiah's favorite place, you know, to, you know, go golfing or to have supper to have something catered in, like what, 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 and where are his favorites? So just to plan those out for me specifically, um, we usually alternate that. So more intentional, but we're also in a crazy season. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'll build on that. Like I I know Micah mentioned love languages and hers is quality time and not, and quality time. Isn't this Mm -hmm. or watching a baseball game. It could be watching the playoffs, but it's, it's really like not even just being in the same room. It's, kind of eyeball to eyeball. (laughs) And I think that's been really challenging the past eight weeks to find time Mm -hmm. to not be in the hospital, to just like settle into a new rhythm where no one's crying. (laughs) And, and so I think our long-term picture and commitment is making Mm -hmm. sure that those love languages tanks are filled and Mm -hmm. those needs are met. And I want, so you you had a great evasive answer, Josiah. What's one thing you want to do? 
<laughs> that was a great minister answer. You did a good job there. That was good. Okay. Um, that was like uh, that was like uh, love it. Uh, that was like the Matrix. Like you did a good job avoiding <laughs> the bullets. What's one thing you want would love to lead into more? Sure. Sheesh. It could be that same answer. Just personalize it. Okay. I mean, man, I'm sorry, you guys. I'm I'm thinking <laughs> deep on that. Um, I would say to specific, you know, to go deep and personalize it myself. I want to make sure that I get to be the one that meets her emotional needs and her mm. relational mm. needs and her quality time needs. Because yeah. I heard it said this way: if if I don't, Satan will find somebody else who will. Mm. Ah, so, okay. Does that help? Is that more specific? Um, yeah. So, I mean, you went super, super deep. I was going for level two. You went for level seven. Um, so what I hear you say is you want to make sure that you're intentional about putting your phone down and yeah. when you can have a distracted free moment with her, yes. you can look her in the eye and say, I see you. And I still yes. love you. Yeah. Even, even though there's chaos. Yeah. And personally and specifically it's Sundays and it's not being on my phone. Ah, there you oh. go. That, that's it. Perfect. That's awesome, man. Good there you go. Now, where are we? So back to you, Dr. John, <laughs> as we wrap things up, you, this has been so encouraging and um, just a meaningful conversation. If you could leave a room of college pastors, young adult ministry leaders, young leaders with, with one piece of advice, insight, wisdom, or encouragement, you could take it any direction, but the microphone's yours. Mm. What would you charge them with? Um, doubt, frustration, and feeling the silence of God, all three of those things are still holy. Mm. And looking at somebody asking you hard questions, especially a young person who's on their way in or on their way out of church and saying these magic words, I don't know, or even more magic, I changed my mind on this, is I think a gift that people are desperate for right now. The idea that everyone's got every answer to every question and we have it all together is, I think um, we forget that Jesus was on his face in the garden saying, does it have to be like this the night before? Even Jesus was like, dude, can we do this another way? And as pastors, we feel a, a burden, or as, not we, I'm not, I'm not a pastor, but pastors feel a burden to have every answer to every solution and to be polished. And they feel like if I'm doubting, if I'm having concerns, if I read an article that makes me rethink an issue that I was really firm on that I shouldn't be doing this. And I want to say, no, 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 no. That God is in the chaos and he is in the disconnection and he's in the frustration and he's in the tension in your marriage. and He's in your faith doubts too. That may mean that you are exactly that's so good. That's a great reminder for every leader out there, whether you're a pastor or not, to know that God sees you. He has plans for you. And it's okay to wrestle and it's okay to have yeah. questions. And it's yeah. okay to say, I don't know. Let's discover it together. And I think when you can come along beside those people who, when you say together, that just makes it even more personal to them. Like, yep, you're a person, you're a human too. And we don't need to have it all together at all times, right? So Dr. John, thank you so much for Seriously. allowing us to spend some time with you today. What a great conversation we've had. Thank you all so much uh, for the invite. I'm really grateful for it. Of course. And if you want to find out more about Dr. John Deloney, 
Ramsey Solutions and the quick read, Redefining Anxiety. You can click it in the show notes in the comments below, as well as visit our website at Young Adults Today. Thanks so much for tuning in. Have an amazing day. Thanks for listening to today's conversation on the Young Adults Today podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Right now, yeah.